Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. We're going to do a declaration first. So if we have that slide, can we put it up? All right. I just like to do these declarations. Helps me to just center my spirit and my attention on the Word of God. So can we do this together this morning? Can you grab your Bibles or your phones or however you read the Word of God? Can we say this together? Okay. I love my Bible. I believe that it is the Word of God. I believe I am who He says I am. I believe in its power to transform my life. I know that God will meet me in these pages. My heart is open to receive, and I boldly declare I will never be the same. Amen. Amen. Okay, public service announcement. Did you know that next Saturday morning, we have over 500 witches coming to Austin to paddleboard down Ladybird Lake. So my public service announcement is A, pray, but not out of a place of fear, right? Because greater is he who lives in us than he that is in this world, but pray. And B, if you realize or recognize that you're in a bit of a funk this week, understand witchcraft is a very real thing. Okay, as believers, for us to not be aware of the spiritual realm and of witchcraft would be to live in blissful denial, right? It is real, it happens, but thank God we win, amen? Jesus has already won, so we don't come at this with a place of fear, but we do come aware, and we do come prepared with the full armor of God on, amen? Amen. All right. Also, don't make big decisions this week. (laughs) I'm just saying. Sometimes people make life-altering decisions in the funkiest spiritual atmosphere, and I'm like, ooh, if you could just wait a week, you might make a different decision. I don't know. That's helpful for me. Okay. (laughs) This morning, I am going to be speaking on radical obedience. Radical obedience. And I want to start by saying this quote from one of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer. He says this, have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late and how little revival has resulted? I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying and it simply will not work. Can I say that again? Have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late and how little revival has resulted? I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying, and it simply will not work. One of my favorite quotes is, a, an ounce of obedience is more powerful than a pound of prayer. And it's not that, of course, we do away with prayer, amen? We do not. That's a foundational piece to our faith. That's how we commune and talk to God. That is such a key part of our faith and as our life as believers. But that without obeying will not result in God showing up in power in your life. And that's what I want to talk to you this morning about. 14 years ago, I was in the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in first year. 
And we had this speaker come in and he told the most radical stories of obedience and God's power on display from that act of obedience. And today, honestly, it still marks me. I still think of those stories today. And I'm gonna share some of them with you this morning. But I wanna encourage us. We've got to be people of obedience. We have to. If we wanna see a great move of God in our nation and our city, then we have to learn how to obey. Not just obey, but to do it quickly. Amen? Now, look, I wish I could get up here and say, I obey God immediately every single time that he speaks to me. But look, I don't have the energy to pretend to be perfect, so I'm just gonna be honest, I am a work in progress, as I think we all are, right? But you know what? I'm better at obeying today than I was 10 years ago. I'm better at obeying today than I was a year ago and even a week ago. And it's my goal to keep growing in my obedience to Jesus. And so this morning, as we look at this, you know, when I was writing this, I I felt convicted. And I hope that you will feel convicted this morning. Not because I want you to feel bad. Conviction isn't feeling bad, right? Conviction should lead us into a change. So that's my hope for us this morning, is that we could learn, that we could grow, that we could feel a level of conviction to be even more obedient to the voice of Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay. This man that I was telling you about who I heard these wildest stories from, he had a 90-minute slot in our school of ministry, and he ended up speaking for three hours, just telling stories, and all 900 of us were just like bug-eyed, looking at this guy like, oh my gosh. This is what it looks like to live for Jesus. This level of power manifesting in this man's life, this is what it's meant to be about. This man's name was Bobby Connor. So if any of you have heard of him, if you haven't, I will just encourage you. I have listened to hours upon hours of his testimony and preaching this week just to remind myself of some of these stories and to get stirred up. He's a Texan. He's an East Texan. So... He's a yeehaw. (laughs) But I tell you, some of these stories will blow your mind. You'll think you're obedient. And then you'll hear these stories and you'll be like, huh, I maybe have some growth. (laughs) Listen, one thing that I have observed over the years and as I study the scripture is this, that rarely is there a time when man's obedience is not the catalyst for God's power. Rarely do I read of God's power being manifest without man's obedience. Does it mean that he needs man's obedience to move? No, but he likes it. You know, and there, of course, are times when God's sovereignty moves and his power is displayed and there is no intervention or mention of man. You know, we see this when Saul was transformed into Paul in the New Testament, when God came in power, knocked him off his donkey, spoke to him, and he got radically born again. That was a sovereign move of God. And we do read about those. But I want us to remember that it's important to know that God's power is often because of man's obedience. 
Our greatest example, I mean, we can read all throughout the Word of God about men and women who were obedient to God's voice and changed the course of history. And of course, Jesus is our greatest example, being fully God and fully man. In Ephesians 2, 8, it says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then Romans 5, 19, for just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man that many will be made righteous. We are here today because of one man's obedience, Jesus Christ. That is the only reason we are here. Because of his grace, but ultimately because his obedience to go to the cross on our behalf. But Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Daniel, Mary, Peter, Paul, I mean, you literally could go on and on and on about stories all throughout the Bible where you can witness men and women being obedient to God and him coming in power and changing the course of history. Some of the modern day examples that we see or in revival history that we have seen is John G. Lake. Has anyone heard of John G. Lake? An incredible man. William Branham, Smith Wigglesworth, Mariah Woodworth Etta, Catherine Kuhlman, they all lived lives of radical obedience. Of radical obedience. And God moved powerfully through every single one of them. We have no idea what God can do through a single act of obedience. It could feel really insignificant and small to us. Yet it could set things into motion that have eternal significance. I don't want to just tell you these stories and talk about this today in the hopes that you'll feel like warm and fuzzy. Like I want these to do something to your faith. I have remembered stories of Bobby Connor from 14 years ago because they mocked me. Because they are a standard at that I look to be like, oh my gosh, if God can use him like that, then he can use me like that. Because God is no respecters of person, amen? And he will move on our obedience. You're not special enough that he would not move because of your obedience. Sometimes I sit and meditate and I think about what would it look like if we had a group of Christians? If all Christians, that would be the dream, right? lived lives of radical obedience to the Holy Spirit. That they weren't torn between pleasing man or the fear of man. That they weren't Jesus plus. What I mean by that is they weren't like, I'm living for Jesus plus my reputation. I'm living for Jesus plus my pride. I'm living for Jesus plus my money. I'm living for Jesus plus my comfort. He is looking for a people without mixture. And there is far too much mixture in the church. Far too much. If you know Bob Jones or if you've heard of Bob Jones, he was probably one of the most accurate and profound prophetic voices of our time. He passed away several years ago, but he was having a conversation with the Lord and God said this to him. He said, if I can find a people without mixture, I will pour out my power without measure. Yeah. 
If I can find a people without mixture, then I will pour out my power without measure. Are you willing to be a people without mixture? Are we willing? Because it costs us something. Or are we happy with a gospel that requires nothing more than us than a sinner's prayer? I don't know about you, but I'm just so tired of doing like church. Right? Just doing nice church. If we're not changing the world, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I get it. There is something to be said about a quiet faith and a life that is like in communion with Jesus. But if there's not action put to that in the form of obedience, what's it for? I will tell you, it's not just for your salvation that you were saved. It is not just for you that your life was transformed. Congratulations, when you became a believer, you signed up to be a transforming agent in this world. You did. And I guarantee you, if you live anything less, you will live with regret. Does your life look different from those around you? Francis Chan says, something is wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers. Something is wrong when our lives make sense or resemble that of unbelievers. Hey, do the people in your workplace know that when they're sick, you're the person they want to pray for them? Do they know when they are down that you are the one that is gonna bring hope? Are you so obedient to the Holy Spirit that you look a little crazy sometimes? Because you will. That's all right, we're all a little crazy though. You're in good company. You're not alone. Are we content building our faith upon the wisdom of men? Because if we do not see God's power at work in our lives, then that is exactly what we are doing. We are building our faith on the wisdom of men and not on the power of the gospel. If you could put up 1 Corinthians for me, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. It says this, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, this is Paul speaking. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. There's a lot of wise and persuasive words out there right now. But Paul says this, but I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So perhaps we could look at our lives and if God's power is not being manifest through it, it's maybe a good indication that we've built our life on man's wisdom and not the power of the gospel. 
You know, so much is going on and we need just to look at what is happening in Israel and what has happened in Israel this past week to realize that life is short, right? What is happening should affect every single one of us, by the way. (laughs) It should bring us to our knees as the church, as the body of Christ, as those who have been grafted into his chosen people. And whenever I see these things happening in the world around me, it just reminds me of how short this life really is. And I don't know about you, but I want to make mine count. I want to make mine count. I don't want to get to heaven and to look at Jesus and say, hey, thanks. I'm glad I'm here. It was a super comfortable journey. (laughs) I mean, I didn't do anything with what you gave me, but I was comfortable and I looked like I had it together. I got my reputation and my pride intact. Here I am. I don't think that's what God is looking for. Will we be even more undignified than this? You get one life to live. In 2007, um, I was about four years saved at that time, and I was in a church, and I was being discipled, and This church, you guys, I mean, it had like the connect groups, the community, the lights, the worship was impeccable. It was an amazing church. People were being saved, which is the greatest miracle, amen. But when we prayed for people to get better, we didn't actually think it would happen. Or like maybe in secret, God would heal them, but we didn't really expect God's power to show up in the here and now. Perhaps you could say we didn't really believe in a supernatural God whose power was manifest in our presence. So we didn't have a high expectations for it. And you know what? People in the church were still dying of diseases. People in the church still had a ton of physical pain in their body that they were living with. Marriages were still falling apart. Addictions were still rampant in the church. And I'm not saying that there's any church without that, right? There's not. There's no perfect church. But unless we go after that, unless we see some breakthrough in those areas, what are we doing? Right? We don't want to just play church. I want to see God's power move. I want to pray for people and know that they're going to get healed. I want to prophesy over my waitress and see the power of God hit her and her repent and her become a believer, amen? I want my children to learn how to prophesy. I want them to learn how to believe for miracles. I want to testify of his supernatural provision. I don't want a God without power. Because let me tell you, that is every other God in world religion. And that is not the God that we serve. That is a marking characteristic of our God is that he is a supernatural God. I began to, you know, read scriptures in my Bible that scared me. And there was a discrepancy as what I was seeing as a believer to what I was reading I don't know if you've read some of those verses and you're kind of like, wait, 
Aren't we supposed to be doing greater things than Jesus? I don't think that that died with the apostles. I don't think God dangles a carrot in front of our faces and says, just kidding, not for today, not in this dispensation. No. Mark 16, 17 through 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Do you believe? Then these signs will follow you. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Let's stop right there for a second. When was the last time you prayed for a devil to get out of someone? Has it been a while? Yes, come on. Can I tell you that nothing short of deliverance is going to save this nation? We need to see people get freed, and the only way they can get free is through the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That is it. You're not going to teach them into freedom. You got to cast those devils out of them, see them filled with the Holy Spirit, then we can start talking about transformation. And hey, Let's not pretend that some of us don't need a little deliverance ourselves, right? Just because we're saved, just because we come to church, doesn't mean we don't need the spirit of fear to be delivered from us every now and then, right? Deliverance from lust, right? Deliverance from the love of money. Come on. It's got to start with us. They shall speak with new tongues. I feel like we're really good at that one. (laughs) So we can just move on to the next one. They shall take up serpents. (laughs) And they shall, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Let me tell you, we were confessing this over our dog last night. I'm like, Luna, you are saved through us, our whole, we are saved, so therefore our whole household is saved, and you will be able to drink the poison of snakes, and it will not kill you in Jesus' name. <laughs> Come on, you gotta, hey. I love my dog better than some people, and no, I'm just kidding. I'm so kidding, I'm so kidding. But I do love my dog, I do. She's the sweetest, she's really. I'm just kidding, I, I love people. I was trying to be funny. I'm sorry. (laughs) They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Guys, we get to see this happen all the time in this church. And can I have a confession time? We may not be the most polished church. We're we're not the most polished church, let me just say that. We may not, we're working on it, right? We're always trying to grow. We're trying to get better. We're trying to figure out how to create community better and how you all are going to feel connected to people in this church. We're working on strategies. But can I tell you, I've been a part of churches where I've had strong community without the power of God. And I tell you what I would choose. I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive, by the way. We should have both. But I tell you, when my kids are in kids' church 
and they are having encounters with the Holy Spirit, when they are praying for people and they are getting healed, all of a sudden the polish doesn't really, I don't really care about the polish anymore. Because when you have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your church, it will be messy. Not if, it will. (laughs) Trust me. But I will take the mess and the power over no power any day. Any day. I was meant to be an arrow, but I don't know. Turned into a gun. I'm not sure whether. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Three aspects of obedience that I want to look at this morning. Wow. Do I only have seven minutes left? All right. Let's go quick. Obedience begins in belief. Obedience begins in belief. Hebrews 3, 16 through 19 says, For who, having heard, rebelled, this is talking about the Israelites, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. I feel like we know this scripture well, and we we definitely focus on this unbelief aspect, but just the verse before says those those who did not obey. But here, 11 times in in chapters 3 and 4 in the book of Hebrews, it speaks about entering into rest. So it's a big deal. But here is the key. Entering into rest begins with belief. But the root word of unbelief in that scripture is disobedience. So it could be read. So we see that they could not enter in because of disobedience. They are synonyms, so they're interchangeable. One might be tempted to think that the key to entering rest is obedience, especially from 3.18, but the obedience mentioned in 3.18 is an outgrowth of the unbelief mentioned in Hebrews 3.19. The unbelief came first, then the disobedience. In the New Testament context, our belief centers on the supremacy of Jesus Christ. The truth of who he is, fully God and fully man, and his atoning work for us as a faithful high priest. When we trust in these things, making them the food of our souls, we enter into God's rest. So, In the New Testament, disobedience is unbelief. And in the New Covenant, when you operate in unbelief, you're operating in disobedience. And in the same way, when you operate in belief, that is called your obedience. So our unbelieving thoughts, we must take captive to Christ, amen, is 2 Corinthians 10.5. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, So in the old covenant, obedience had to operate in your actions first, right? But in reality, the new covenant, obedience occurs in your belief system first. And then your belief determines your actions. See, religion will often emphasize your actions as the source of obedience. 
but it is not. In the new covenant, your belief is where your obedience comes from. So you got to believe before you can obey. When you adopt the correct beliefs, they will inherently guide you towards living in the right manner. All right. I need to skip a bit. So the first and most foundational step in order to live a life of obedience is to believe in the gospel of grace that you have entered into. Okay, obedience is a muscle. We can grow it. (laughs) Sometimes we have to work at it, right? And when we're obedient to God in the little things in our life, then he can trust us with the big things. And sometimes we're like, we want this worldwide ministry. And he's like, I can't get you to put your shopping cart back where it's meant to go. How am I going to trust you with a worldwide ministry? (laughs) Right? We might think, oh, that's so insignificant. God doesn't care about that. Nothing that God says to us is insignificant. Nothing. So if he's asking you to do something little, you better believe that it has big consequences. I tell you, Chris Vallotton used to preach in the school of ministry, and he said this, if you can't change your natural environment, how are you going to change the spiritual environment? And so every time I go into a bathroom now, I wipe down the counters. (laughs) And sometimes I'm in a hurry, and I'll get to the door, and I'm like, (laughs) and I'll go and wipe down those counters. And every time I do, I'm like, God, if I can change the natural environment around me, then I can change the spiritual environment around me. But it's the little things. It's the insignificant things that are our training ground in obedience. You know, once I was watching this show, and it was so good, and I loved it, and I was right in that moment of like, them unraveling the whole theme. And God's like, I want you to stop watching that show. And I'm like, I'm like, but God, it's really entertaining. He's like, I want you to stop watching that show. And I'm like, okay. And I just had to stop. Because that might not seem like a big deal. But if he's asking us to do something, it's a big deal. You know, if you don't know, Australia in general is a bit cynical by nature. We are a little bit skeptical of people, of things, of motives, of everything. So when I see someone on the street asking for money, oh, I have this thing going, well, why aren't they getting a job? I bet they're going to go and buy drugs with the money that I give them. I bet they're going to, like I come up with this whole narrative about why I shouldn't give them money how I'll give it to an organization that can help get them out of their situation instead of giving it to them. But you know, this has been one of my greatest training grounds living in Austin. God is like, I want you to give that person money. And I'm like, they don't look trustworthy. And God's like, I don't care. He's like, it's got nothing to do with them. And can I tell you, I hate to confess this, but I will. I have not listened, and I have to, I've had to pull U-turns and go around and do it again. 
because I'm driving and I just can't get that sound out of my head. You should have given them money. I told them, I told you to give them money. And I'm like, okay. And I just turn around and go back and I'm like, here you go. Because it's, it's not about them. It's about me, right? And if God can trust me with the small things, then he's going to be able to trust me with the big things. And obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's responsibility. We don't do it out of tradition. We don't do it out of formula. Well, if I do this, then I have an expectation you're going to do this. So no, 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 no. I do this because you told me to do this. Whatever else happens after that, it's actually got nothing to do with me. Gosh, we've got to get to the stories. Anyway, I'll just tell you one thing that we say to our children all the time. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I feel like that just speaks for itself, so I'll leave it. Okay. It's funny that you brought up Reinhard Bonnke. I have him in my notes today, but you know, does, anyone, does everyone know who Reinhard Bonnke is? Hopefully you all do. Just a powerful evangelist, incredible man of God. He was working as a missionary in Africa, and he was underneath a German uh, missionary organization, and he started printing off flyers and doing these like healing crusades and crusades to preach the gospel. And it was drawing a lot of attention. And his organization came to him and they said, we don't want you to do that anymore. We just want you to be a missionary like all the other missionaries. We don't want you to stir the boat. So he rented a hotel room and he went to the hotel room and he kneeled on the ground and he prayed. And he said, God, give me a different call so that I can comply to the men and I won't rock the boat. And God basically said to him, if you don't do it, I'll get someone else who will. And did you know one time he asked the Lord, he said, God, why did you choose me? You know what he said? He said, because I asked two other people and they wouldn't do it. It is estimated that over 79 million people have converted to Christianity because of that man. And even later in his life, the organization leaders actually came to him and repented and said, we are so glad you didn't listen to us. That is radical obedience right there. Radical obedience. Okay, Bobby Connor, let me tell you this, because it is so offensive. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. I hope I'm getting all the details right. It's been 14 years since I've heard it. Bobby was speaking at a conference one time, and, and there was a man kind of in the middle, and he was a very important government official. He was um, known in the community. He was influential. And Bobby Connor is just famous for saying, God, I'll say what you say. I'll do what you do, and I will obey. Quickly and swiftly is what he says. And the Lord said to him, see that man in the third row back? And Bobby's like, yep. He's like, I want you to get down. I want you to go and nibble his ear. I want you to go and nibble that man's ear. I know, some of you are all offended. I'm, I'm offended on behalf of Bobby. But he was like, all right, here he goes. He got down from stage and he went up to this man and he nibbled this man's ear. This man began to weep. That wouldn't have been my reaction. But <laughs> this man began to weep. 
And he later gave his life to the Lord. And you know what he said to Barbie? He said, my wife was a believer. And every night she would pray for me. And then she would nibble my ear. (laughs) I don't know. And she recently passed away. And I've been so angry and so upset. And I was sitting here in your meeting. And I was like, God, if you're real, show up. See, I'm telling you, you'll think you're obedient. I think I'm obedient. But would I nibble a man's ear? I don't know. I'm just going to say I I would hope I was that obedient, but I'm really unsure if I would. I mean, I want to be. I'm, I'm working towards that, right? Another story of his was he was uh, in a church and he had, um, it was a black church. He had 94 black ministers behind him. He was the only white guy in the place. They had, again, they were bringing government officials in. And this was a very, you know, they were wanting to him to minister and give prophetic words. He's a very, very powerful prophet. And <laughs> this, is, this is so crazy. And the Lord's like, he's like, what should I preach on, Holy Spirit? And he's like, I'll tell you when you get up there. So he stood up and he's like, all right. God said, tell them that you won't minister to them because they're too white. And he's like, you're going to have to say it twice because they're going to think they wouldn't believe you the first time when you say it. So he says it again. (laughs) And then he just goes and sits down. And then this little lady from the back (laughs) runs down, waving her handkerchief, and starts yelling, you have spoken correctly. We have tried to be someone that we are not. And all of these ministers began to fall out in the spirit and the power of God hit that place and revival broke out in that entire congregation. Are you obedient? Hey, at least we can be honest, right? I was talking to someone in the church offices and I told them that and she's like, and we're both kind of like, we're obedient, but we really hope God would never ask us to do that. (laughs) Y'all, I'm telling you, it can't be Jesus and our reputation. We have to be willing to look like fools for the cause of Christ, amen? We got to. Yes! (laughs) Come on. Come on. Lives and history will be changed if we can learn to radically obey. And I don't mean just obey in the small things. Luke says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Winky Prattney says this, God is looking for willing hearts. He has no favorites. You do not have to be special, but you do have to be available. There have been moments in my life where the Lord has asked me to step out in obedience, and I gotta tell you, it's scary. And sometimes I wonder, like when I hear about people who are bored with their faith or stagnant with their faith, I'm like, Man, 
There's a reason why the ancient Celts called following the Holy Spirit the wild goose chase. That's where that term was penned from. Did you know that? The wild goose chase represented a life lived in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Because you never know what he's going to do. You know what's really hard to do with wild geese is control them. I tell you, I think we're going to have the most fun that we've ever had in our lives if we would be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Obedience is also a sign of maturity. And I'll leave you with this, 1 Samuel 15, 22. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. I am, um, I'm not sure if I have it on here. I don't think I do, but... Um, there was this quote that says, when an earthly king gives you an assignment and asks you to do something, we call it a great honor, right? If King Charles, the king of England, called you up tomorrow and said, hey, would you mind running this errand for me? You'd be like, oh, what an honor. The king has asked me to do something. Yet, when our heavenly king asks us to do something, we call it a sacrifice, We've got to be a people without mixture. Amen? We've got to care more about heaven than we do what's happening here on earth. It's not to say we ignore it. It's not to say we ignore it. If you haven't read C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters, I highly recommend you doing it. It's amazing, but basically it's, a, it's an allegory and it's, a, it's on the devil's perspective, and he says to his demons, basically, if we can get them anchored so much into this world, we won't even need to worry about the spiritual realm. Meaning the more hooks that this world has in you, the less hooks heaven has in you. All right, we're gonna pray. Everyone ready to nibble some ears? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I need a fresh reminder every now and then. I need a fresh reminder to move in obedience to the Lord. I want to remember these stories. I want to remember them. Because I'm like, man, the power that moves on obedience is the power that the world is hungry for. It truly is. Can we just make a pact? Can we not play church anymore? Can we not play church anymore? Can we cast out devils? Can we pray for the sick and see them get healed? Come on. But you know what that requires? That requires you stepping out and saying, hey, can I pray for you? So we're gonna pray. And we are gonna pray for boldness. Amen? 
And I am gonna pray this, that this week, the Lord is gonna put divine encounters in your path. That he is gonna ask you to do the fun things and the scary things this week. And maybe we could have a time next week of testimonies. But come on, you can go to any church and hear good sermons. You can go to any church and find community. It will always leave you wanting for the power of God. Because in your heart and in your spirit, you know that there is more. You know that there is more, right? Okay, Jesus, I thank you for a radical and bold obedience to come upon us, God. And Lord, I ask that you would put people in our way that need to encounter your power. And I ask that you would use us and that we would respond in obedience to your words, Holy Spirit, and watch as you deliver people, as you set people free, as you see people come to salvation, God, as you see radical, whatever you wanna do, God, whatever you wanna do, we just say, I am available. I want you to say that with me. Say, I am available. I'm available. Use me, God. Use me, God. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you can do with a group, with a company of Christians who will be radically obedient to your voice. We dream of the days of revival. We don't just pray for them, we obey them into being, God. And we ask for your glory and your power and your presence to accompany us because we believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.